0: mic much when you're DJing or do you tend to let the music do the uh,
2: well I don't just DJ I mean I sing in the dub pistols and of course anyway,
0: so, when uh, you're doing your DJ sets when though when I'm
2: DJing, no um when I'm doing the live streams yeah I've been um I guess we're just doing a mic chat, right yeah, yeah yeah When I'm doing. well no we're in it
0: this is it straight in <laughs> <laughs> um
2: what's the um what's the uh the format voc- the premise vocabulary um oh you can say whatever you want Shit fuck ass hunt.
0: Sex. Anything you want. Right, yeah. It is completely perfect. free so range. Totally and uh the more outrageous the stories, the better, right, to be honest, Barry. Fine. No <laughs> um, that's okay. And thanks for having me over, man. That's I really appreciate it. It's a really nice part of the country this is as well. It's nice to just be right now at least out of the city. Like it feels like the party's over, there's red tape and PPE everywhere, you know, everything's closed down and it really feels like the party's over, everybody's gone home and you're like the last straggler. <laughs> that's the sort of yeah, overriding no, I vibe.
2: Think, I think I was lucky enough to um I mean I spent most of, most of my um adult life in West London. Um and I think moving to the countryside and um probably saved my life um from drink and drugs and various cuz I you know I think in a whole year I think um I turn my phone? yeah that get just get him on idea, silent mate. It? um Before I sort of, before I got married and moved to the countryside, I think I'd had the um, total of one night in, in a whole year. Wow. So, um, you know, moving to the countryside was, uh, one, probably saved my life and my liver. Um, So, and also being out here, like you said, during lockdown has been absolutely amazing because, you know, I can't, I can't imagine what it's like being in a city. I've just been able to walk for miles and not see anybody and um you know not have to come into contact with people so it's it's not really like been a lockdown for me
0: yeah kind of life goes on
2: yeah it, yeah i mean it's kind of you can start get. i'm starting to get a bit cabin feverish now feeling like well you know i could do with probably doing a show so but
0: well usually this time of year i presume you guys would just be out throughout summer pretty much yeah, every year is that still the
2: yeah the I mean, setup
0: I'm, for the dub pistols
2: I think um
0: or have you slowed down on the festival we've had to to
2: slow down now because um obviously uh a year's been cancelled but previous to that um we tour 11 months of the year i normally take six weeks off or four weeks off and go to thailand um
0: what kind of time of year is that when's the downtime
2: january 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 and that's just
0: full rehab chill
2: it, it never used to be. It never used to be. I used to. Um, I used to go and DJ and literally would play every other day. Um, and finally, my wife said, "Look, you need. You know, we need to have a break and stop being dragged around." And I didn't really need to do it. I just. I. I, I it's just. You know it's just something i've always done i just always i've always performed i've always played and i thought if i'm somewhere i may as well just you know i may as well play some records or put, do a party so but just dragging my wife around from island to island every day <laughs> from club to club was like this isn't a holiday you know she sounds
0: I mean? like a patient woman
2: yeah <laughs> yeah well she, you know um, how long have you been together uh we've been married this will be our third year been together about eight years but i mean you know her Mother was married to Mark Boland, so oh wow, she comes from rock and roll royalty um
0: I bet she's got some amazing stories there
2: yes, yeah, some pretty incredible Ellen John's her godfather, I mean her mum passed away sadly quite early on um when she was quite young, but um I think she she went to Freddie Mercury's fiftieth um birthday um yeah, I mean that was her herself, but yeah, I think her mum had um Slept with David Bowie and shagged uh, Sid Barrett. So she, you know, yeah, she was a pretty much a A glam queen. Yeah, she was a glam queen. I just
0: met the guy who plays Elton John, Taron Egerton, in Aberystwyth last weekend. That was a really nice guy. Yeah, he was having like a party out in the woods for his mate's 30th and he invited us out there and we went out and I was just like, it's cool that he's now obviously this internationally renowned superstar, famous actor, but he's still, you know, holding it down in Aberystwyth with his old school friends. And I like it when you see that.
2: Yeah, I don't see. I don't see any reason to change. Do you know what I mean? I don't. I don't. Um... A lot of Does people that... do, though, don't they? The yeah. fame bug gets them, and yeah, and they get drawn in and they move away from their friends. But I mean, I, I haven't been in the music industry for a long time. But also before that, I was. Uh, I was in the film business as a assistant director, and most of ninety nine percent of the people I met were cool. There was only a couple of real arseholes.
0: What Should did you me. work on during that period then?
2: Um, God, I did everything from the Brits, uh, the Craze, um, the London Fashion Awards, um, mostly commercials. So that because I was freelance and that gave me the um, give me enough money by doing a couple of days work a week to be a musician. So I didn't ever have to be a poor musician. Nice, do you know what I mean? So because it was quite a well-paid business.
0: And you came in through the sort of club promoting angle right so when you started performing in the dub pistols were you at a fairly established level or you could at least get yourself onto fairly yeah the, the way, good the, bills
2: the, the way it started was i went to ib in 1987 um i wanted I wanted to like everybody every school boy i wanted to well that in that sort of year in those sort of days everybody wanted to be a footballer i wanted to be a footballer thought i was half decent i wasn't really um <clears throat> and i got an injury and i went to in And I took a load of pills and I basically never went home. Do you know what I mean? It was like, you know, that was your awakening. That was, that was it. it, it,
0: Put me in the scene of that year, that that summer, that time.
2: Well, it was, it was a, it was a strange time because obviously it was very much in the Thatcher years. There was a, a hell of a lot of everything, you know, there was, there was all the football violence. There was all the, you know, there was all the, um you couldn't go from city to city do you know what i mean without or area to area you know everything was territorial um you know so you very much grew up in your area and you stayed with your friends and you you know you would literally go to war with um neighbors do you know what i mean like you know neighboring city towns cities whatever and then went to webby in 1987 took ecstasy um And it just was just a life changing sort of nice cliche and it's whatever, but it suddenly it was like, suddenly it was love and hugs, you know, and and I remember, you know, because then I came home and started running parties. Um, I came home and started putting clubs on. We used to do a club called Monkey Drum on a Monday night. In London. In London. That literally everyone from the Stone Roses, Paul fold Danny Ramplin, all those kind of people used to come to Soup Dragons. Everybody used to come down to that sort of club. And uh, did you vice versa
0: go up to the Hacienda as well and experience
2: that? Yeah, no, that side and then and then that was sort of like one of our earlier clubs and then we decided we did a we did quite a lot of different nights, but one of the, our biggest night was Naked Lunch, which I guess was uh, one of the biggest clubs at nights in in. in London, if not the UK at that time, and that kind of built up a network from that, which included sort of like Back to Basic in Leeds, Cream in Liverpool, Halcyon in Manchester, um, um, the bomb in Nottingham. And was Dave Beer one of the Dave guys? Be- around D- that Dave Beer is one of my oldest and dearest friends. Yeah, I met him through Pritch. We did
0: a show with Sanchez in Sheffield, and I want to say it was like the last Back to Basics night.
2: Right. Uh, but it's, it's always the last two. back to basics. Is, night. is that
0: the kind of that's the. No, I mean, Dave. Me caveat the, just to make it a big
2: party. No, no no, <laughs> no, 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 certainly not. No, Dave just moves around from a. Um, you know, it's obviously. It'll be the last Back to Basics night in that venue. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. Cause, because t- what tends to happen when you run nightclubs is they have a longevity in a certain venue and then they die off and then you, you'll you go and find another venue will start again and you'll have another year or two years of success and then it will all fold. I think Dave's... Um, I mean, Dave's certainly been a pioneer and a champion and a leader. If you um, just watch
0: The Wire at the bottom. Okay.
2: Um, obviously been a pioneer and a le- leader and a champion, but he's obviously... I mean, you know, back to basics was up there with your creams. It was up there with the biggest nights in the country. Uh, I think Dave was a bit like myself in that he liked to party, so it was more concentrating on the party side of it than necessarily the business side of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and I think so, he still does
0: from the uh oh, absolutely the night I was, I was at. It was one no, hell of the night. No, absolutely.
2: You know, he, he, you know, he's a lifer, right? Yeah, he's a he's, a, he's, a, he's that's the beer. Anyone who knows Dave beer knows, you know, you're going to have a fun night. Um, but what that meant was, like, obviously your creams and that had a bit bigger, bigger um, vision, do you know what I mean? And so, obviously, took it on to sort of being festivals and, you know, around took it around the world and made it into a multi-million pound business. Like, and, yeah, like a brand. And Dave um, probably put most of it, you know, in a, into, um, you know, various different uh, chocolates and flowers. <laughs> as, as, as I, I had to write an article once where... Um, I, I um, had to explain um, how I came to lose a million half dollars and. One of the code words for that was chocolates and flowers. Everything was chocolates and flowers, which obviously was uh, not really the case at all. It was, uh, <laughs> you know, mostly chemicals. Sweets and, and treats. <laughs> chemicals and, yeah, chemicals <laughs> and strippers and nightclubs and, you know, but, um, yeah. You're obviously not
0: aware of how much money you're pissing away when you're in the moment, though, or were you? Were you very much just cautioned to the wind? No, I think what We're here what for happened, a good time, what, not a long time.
2: No, I mean, you. Want, there's, there's a few different reasons. One of them, um, I like most musicians, I kind of got myself into tax troubles or, or you know, I got myself into financial troubles. So um, having had um, a million and a half dollar deal, um, I came back and I thought I had about 120 grand left and I was 16,000 overdrawn. Um, and so you suddenly get into these dark places and, and I, you never felt, and I knew that I owed the tax man this load of money. I knew that I, um, you know, there was other another thing that happened in 87, which was the Myra the thing. I literally just bought this flat and um, just before I went to Ibiza. And um, the Myers thing came in overnight, literally, and it was only a £60,000 flat, but um, overnight the interest rates went up to 15.5% the flat dropped from 60,000 to 40,000, which was a lot of money at the time. Yeah, And and I just, like I said, just thought, i oh, fuck it. And just fucked off to Ibiza through the keys and didn't bother, just knocked it. So I always knew that I couldn't actually, well, in my head, I didn't think I could actually ever own anything. I never faced up. I just buried my head in the sands and, and just went off on a bender. And so anything I ever got, it just didn't feel like it had any value. I just, anybody could have anything. Um, because I knew that if I ever owned anything, they were just going to take it off me. So yeah. I just absolutely. So that embeds everything.
0: this very kind of, I guess, specific mindset, doesn't it? Yeah. Into spunk your... everything. Yeah.
2: Get you know, just do it. Go go big, go hard, and uh, and and you know, I did. I mean, I you know, I, I parted my way around the world, and had the absolute time of my life but i mean i'm still you know and it and it came when it came on top it came on top because in the end the, the tax people were going around to my grandmother's in two spases and knocking on the neighbours doors asking if they'd seen me and i just thought i can't do bring it in trouble anymore. to their I door yeah i can't bring in, you know my grandmother's certain age and i just thought i've got i've got to deal with this um which if any there's a lesson for anybody in this is, is if you went, when you face up to these problems, they ain't, no, they ain't nowhere near as bad as you think they are. You can, you can negotiate because when you haven't got anything, um, yeah, it's the best good place to negotiate. You know to what I mean? It's like, yeah. but when, and also when you face up to them, you know, that people, they will deal with you. They like, like you know, the way that I, I got through it was the, 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 my accountant had explained to the tax man that I was a recovering alcoholic and, um, junkie. And that basically I'd, Fucked everything, and but I wanted to come back into the system, and we negotiated a deal, which was you know more than reasonable, and suddenly I was in the clear. Do you know what I mean? It was suddenly I could actually be legal. I could be legit. I could be above ground. I could actually have savings. I could actually do things. Do you know what I mean?
0: Because you'd showed that willingness to want to redeem. Yeah. or I repay
2: well i had no choice like i said <laughs> the grandmother came you know they, they, they were going around my grandmother's so they weren't going to give up this was going on for like 15 years you know it was like so but but the minute i actually could legitimize myself and set up a limited company and start running things properly then my whole life changed you know it was literally like you know i could save i could get a mortgage i could you know Run, 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 run the business band as a business rather than just as a party machine.
0: And you know, obviously, all these years later, not right now, of course, because of lockdown and COVID. But to be still in control of it, and I guess existing outside of the system, you've been one of those bands that have enjoyed such longevity, and because you've just floated b- just below that kind of top tier mainstream radar, right? So there's never been like, you're at the top of the mountain and you can fall off. It's like, you're constantly just grinding away and building organically and gradually and continually. And
2: I think I've always described ourselves as the most successfully unsuccessful band out there, <laughs> <laughs> you know, which is, um, yeah. don't get me wrong. we I mean, my company's called what the fuck could possibly go wrong. Limited. Do you know and what that's I mean? going to be it's, the name of, of the documentary. That's and that's the name of the documentary. Incoming, right? Um, yeah. Um, but it really is the story of every band, you know. You you you, you fly high, um, everybody loves you, and then uh, everybody turns their back on you, and then you drop like a, um, you know, like a just like a brick out of an aeroplane basically to the floor, and then and then you sort of rebuild, and then you regroup. Most people don't get to go on, I guess. I guess if if, if it was a normal band structure, i.e., there was five of us that were all doing it but it wasn't it was kind of me and then other people have come and gone and blah 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 but it's been me so i've just carried on going it's Um, a similar
0: kind of a setup to the asian dub foundation right yeah right exactly yeah Yeah, 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 i had steve on the show about a year or so ago
2: so i mean uh, i mean we've got to a situation now where we are um it's it's more like a cult we have a decent know we have a decent we have a cult following that's like a loyal fan base so therefore it doesn't really affect us if what radio or press or or what everybody else is saying we're selling out shows and doing our thing and people are you know coming you know we're basically surviving without the need to you know be promoted like a a new up-and-coming band and have to have tons of money thrown at them and god knows what do you know what i mean and tour supported and things like that you know we make most of our money from touring and merch do you know, what I mean rather than um record sales which probably is the case of most bands now i guess yeah well i think you're one of those
0: bands a bit like madness as well not musically but well a little bit musically <laughs> yeah. but kind of like it's fun for all the family and the dads will then eventually become parents well the, the yeah. kids will become parents and then their kids come along do you feel like and see that that there's always like an influx of it's, newer it's, younger it's
2: amazing I mean it definitely certainly different places in 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 the country but you know like like say like Brighton and place like that you know where where we' you know we' set up Concord and things like that the average age is really quite young but but it goes up like you said you know i'm i'm fifty five this year so um our audience seems to be anything from sort of like 20 to fifty five yeah plus do you know what I mean but um I mean, it's, yeah, it just amazes me that we have managed to sort of maintain and grow new fans continually.
0: What was going on with you musically before the club scene comes into the fold? When you're a kid and you're, you know, like a young adult, what were the, the bands and the songwriters and the artists that was were inspiring you then um, and that have initi- stayed with you? Over initially
2: um, and which you know and uh, quite a few of them I've got to work with like you know like the specials were absolutely my god's um you know and and I was lucky enough to have have Terry and Limble join us for a period and before um, before the specials were reformed obviously Terry played with us for like two years he brought Limble a, Lindler-Long, they performed with us, and that was when they decided to restart the um. So that was itself, a catalyst, was really, for that. T- oh, man. They, they, they've admitted that themselves, you know, they said that, which is, which is you know... That's, oh, for a fan of that amazing. band, that's like the coolest yeah, thing you yeah, could ever so, do, right? So the specials, I guess, were, you know, they're, they're there, Paul of The Jam, obviously, were absolutely massive to I me, mean, the Sex Pistols. Um, that's all my stuff, man. You know, so it's, it was all that kind of thing, but I've been through so, you know, having been... You know, like I said, at 55 this year. I've kind of gone through, from the specials I got into my, um, you know, to, to, to discuss, and The Clash, obviously. Yeah. Obviously The Clash. Did you ever get to meet sure. Joe? I never got to meet Joe, no. Um, no. I've met Mick a few times. Um, sadly not. Um, yeah, no, that would be uh, one I would definitely love to have, you know, been able to tick off and say yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was listening to bands like the Clash, the Specials, and because they had a reggae influence, and that kind of took me down into discovering more and more sort of like you know my sort of roots and the Jamaican sound and things like that as well. But then I went through the the, the hip hop years. I went through the jazz funk years. That's why um, that's all uh, in the you, dub you pistols. Know, I went, in, I went through the sort of indie rock years. Um, obviously, like you know your 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 um, Stone Roses, Primal Scream. um... Matt, um, Happy Mondays. You, but the reason, the first reason I ever started a band was because of um, having watched the Happy Mondays enough times, um, I thought, well, and how I, loose I, they were in and the and early how loose days. they were, could like, I, you know, yeah, I, could I do that. Thought, um, well, if they can do it, then I can do it, and I, and, and that's exactly what happened because I just wanted to be the highest person in the building and thought that would be the projection for the performance, do you know what I mean? And generally I was. would probably pass out after about three songs and get carted off, do you know what I mean? But um, that's kind of where it started, and that was the sort of inspiration for, for giving the confidence to think, all right, I'm going to start a band.
0: How did the Geffen deal come about? Because that was, this is the kind of, the big large sum of money that you're referring to that got
2: squandered, um, it, was it, it, from it was, that it, deal, right? Yeah, it was a weird one. What, what happened was... Um, I haven't gone through the. I was in a band. I was in a band that was signed to Cowboy Records. We had a kind of semi-hit with a track with our Wooden Tops cover called Why Why Why. Um, that kind of fell apart, and I just started doing um, suddenly. And I, I got bored of of house music at the time. The way it was, it was all becoming very cheesy and very obvious and very poppy. And the big beat scene started, I guess, with w- trip poppy then, Amal House, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so, Water Sound label was there. And I just started making like breakbeat records, which were like, more like DJ cannon fodder for me to to um, Get the party out, started, to play right? Out with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was never it was never supposed to be a band. It was never supposed to be a album project. I made a couple of singles. Um, I remember the first the first track I made. I did the first track, first first breakbeat track I'd done. i done it with Monkey Mafia with John Carter, and because I was still signed to this other label, I couldn't sign as a band. And the idea was John would sign as the band to Heavenly Records, and I would be co-producer, sort of thing. You know, right. being it together, but officially I wouldn't be. That made sense, but John decided officially, <laughs> that would be the case, <laughs> do you know what I mean, he kind of, so we made the first single, blow blow the whole joint up, John signed to Heavenly, and I was kind of a bit like fucked, do you know what I mean, it was like, um, so I I kind of come up with a name, some of my, a girl, ex-girlfriend of mine asked me for a um, name for a band, and I said Dub Pistol, she went, no, that's great, I went, yeah, you can't have it, um, so I just, you come up with a name before I come up with a concept
0: and was yeah. that just kind of drawing from the pistols and then reggae Absolutely dub that. and that combination it was exactly, of all those it was, it was exactly that influences you know I mean? it was and loves it was exactly
2: yeah. that it was kind of like yeah punk rocking attitude and dubbing sound Do you know what i mean so um so i started hanging out like the water sound nights the heavenly social um did a couple of tracks with um keith tenniswood uh, and wevel's partner at um made this track called there's going to be a riot that was sort of that when I first played it to the record company they, they thought it was the worst record they'd ever heard that was uh, the question. yeah it was like they didn't <laughs> call they didn't call me for like uh, two or three weeks and they, they said uh, so I thought and as it was because of the fallout with John there, and that was kind of a bit screwed in the head anyway at the time and um, and I, I phoned them up because I hadn't heard from them because and, and, they gave me 500 pounds to make this demo and I kind of phoned them up went um, what do you think of the record name? She went, um a bit quiet. She went, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> she went um this is a girl called Vanessa Rand who's married to Tom from the Chemical Brothers. Um so I said to her um Shift went, I think it's the I think it's the worst record I've ever heard. Um so I kinda went she said I think you better come in and see us. Do you know what I mean? So I kinda it took about two weeks before the meeting happened but I, I put the um put the phone down almost like I said and I was a bit insecure at the time anyway to say the least you know what I mean well you know drug psychosis and paranoia and comedowns and god knows what and were you and running remember,
0: around a lot of that time as like you know a madman yeah yeah because
2: yeah. I, mean, I was running clubs and things so yeah I was always a very always, little sleep I was always at a party um I was out seven nights a week like I said you know um I remember going so I was going playing it to play and it's people and I was going it's not the worst record you've ever heard, have you? Do you know what I mean? It can't, it can't be that. Do you know what I mean? So, it, it, two weeks went by. I went in and I went in to cut a long story to cut a long story short. I went in and said, "Well, play me the record." So they played the record and um, it, they basically what they'd been listening to was the digi dump from the sampler, which was on the front, which obviously um, for those who don't know is like a it, it it's like sounds like an old fax machine. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like. Well, that's not the record, and I fast-forwarded it and played it to them, and they loved it. Do you know what Once I mean? Once they got they to loved it. it, yeah. <laughs> Once they finally got to it, and Enemy made it single of the week. Steve Lemack championed it all over Radio One, and that was kind of it. We were off. Do you know what I mean? It was like you know, suddenly we were... talk about a turnaround. We, yeah, suddenly we were, we were flying, and then we had a um, then we had a hit with sort of again another minor hit, but it was the one and only track that we got playlisted on Radio One, which was um, Cyclone. Um,
0: and, and that's the tune that wound up later on in the Tony Hawk Hawks, video game yeah, isn't
2: it yeah
0: because they were huge and so many kids like at that time because that was around my age when I was coming up that was our introduction to so many different bands and well, sounds that was our biggest
2: marketing so I think it was bigger than anything else that it was That was really what launched our career I mean what happened after Cyclone then the record label said we want you to make an album but we didn't really have an album so we just cobbled a load of songs together and finished it is that and what
0: became Point Blank?
2: That was what came Point Blank. And when we'd finished it, the big beat scene um, was a bit like, I guess, like the uh, dubstep scene in, in terms of that. Obviously, dubstep was later, but it had gone, it created very fast a hell of a lot of big stars, you know, Chemical Brothers, Fat Boy, Propeller Heads. Um, the, the, the list can, can just go on and on. Do you know what I mean? It was like a hell of a lot of big acts. Well, it was pop out, music, and, wasn't it? It became yeah, like it became the pop. chart stuff. It was kind of So that blew up. And then, just as um, our album was due to come out in typical Dub Pistol style, there was this massive backlash against the, the whole sound and the whole scene. And um, what, because it was successful? But yeah, yeah, just like anything like dubstep, suddenly it's just like, suddenly it's not cool to be into it anymore. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, That's so such that was, a British thing, isn't it? Like, very British. <laughs> very, very, very British. Um, so, Don't be successful. Yeah, yeah.
0: Struggle your whole life. That's a, Keep no, the, your credibility.
2: Well, well they, what they do in England is they, they tend to build you up, beat you down and then just try and give you another lift up. So they knock you down again. Do you yeah. Know what I mean, it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, that's, that's and that's the, the same the now. British way. Isn't yeah, it? That's yeah. the British way. Um, and, and, um, so just as our record was about to come out, just as it was coming out, um, I remember an NME review and I remember it really well. And, um, they called us. They called me the sound of Norman sweaty jockstrap.
1: Do you know what I'm mean? saying? And it
2: was, like, and it was like, Um and the record label and and so so the whole thing sort of bombed. And the do you think
0: that's because of a snobbery towards working class music within the music press as well? I don't. Did you come up against that then?
2: I, I really, I don't know. I mean, I've never really looked at it like that. Do you know I I've never really thought of it. I've never thought along on those angles. Was it because of my background? Do you know what I mean? I just kind of thought it was just part and parcel of you the scene, the scene's done. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, in the but, current luck, but luckily enough, but luckily enough, there was a guy called Gary Richards, um, who, ha- who had a record label, um, that had crystal method, et cetera, on it in America. And he absolutely loved the record. And he was, so he'd started a label of A&M, and he loved it and wanted us to sign to America. So our record label said, look, you're done here. You know what I mean? This, this is just not going to happen. Um, we suggest you go and do that. And that's what happened. We went to America. We started doing really well in America. Um, so right out um, the gate. Pardon? Right straight out the gate. Out, straight off the bat, Cyclone was all over the radio. Um we were we were touring non stop. Everything was going absolutely fa- fantastic. First album was absolutely flying. And then AM went broke. Do you know what I mean? So that was kind of that was that. Do you know what I mean? When the typical dubs it. And then so they that 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 happened and then we I sort of came home from America and we were told to start working on another record, which we did, and because of America, like point blank was more of a DJ lead beats thing. Yeah. On the second album we started working on more song based sort of like and like an album, right? Which like, has and a, more, a story. Yeah, and exactly, a- exactly that. And we did a track with um Planet a guy called Planet Asia, um the Jordan Jordan Sher, um and Jimmy Irvine. Jimmy Irvine heard, um and he and he phoned, he our manager at the time, Richard Bishop was going into have a meeting about Crystal Method and Jimmy Irvine was playing this record, um that we'd done with Planet Asia and um he goes he was said to our manager, to listen to this record, it's the best record I've heard in like 10, 15 years. It's some band called the Dub Pistols and Richard Bishop went, um, Where's the Dub Pistols? I managed them. Do you know what I mean? He went, Really? He went, Yeah he went And literally within two days I went out and signed a million and a half dollar deal. At the time I was absolutely on my ass. Do you know what I mean? It was like what the fuck do you know what I mean I, I literally like you know I, I had an old full capri that just, the, the doors were stuck together I right? just to climb out the window it's just like you know life was pretty down crazy. on your <laughs> luck down, down, yeah. really down <laughs> again um do you know what I mean and and, and then suddenly next thing I know
0: and he um, was you know, signing up everybody then right it was this that kind of like golden age of Interscope yeah, so it was around yeah, that it was time
2: exactly that. it was exactly that and he'd been given Gaffin records and we were their number one priority, and we just and they just throw a shitload of money at us, and it was like, and we had four fantastic years of going and doing the vans Warp tour and. Tour oh, you did the there. Warp, did you? Did Amazing! What year did you do that? I can't even remember because I, uh, my memory is so poor; it all just blurs into it. Did you go minutes. over well? Yeah, we yeah. Did an absolute storm. I mean, you know, things were flying; things are absolutely flying for us in America. It was going; it couldn't have been gone any better, you know, and I and I. Having been someone, I've never ever thought you you'd made it or done well. Having having failed so many times, you know, what I mean, I've never been someone who actually believed that we'd ever made it. And I remember that just a couple of days before our album was due to release, um, the second one, six million ways to live, it was number two in the billboards. We were like we're on the front cover of every major magazine, we're all over the radio, everything was going absolutely fine. Um, and, and for the first time in my life, I remember just thinking to myself, Crack it." we're the number one priority for the biggest fucking record label in the world and for the first time in my life, I fucking nailed this. And, and two days before I was up the uh, I'd flown, I was in New York and I was up the Trade Towers and I flew to Los Angeles to start Our tour, and that was the week release of the album, and then I just remember being in um, a friend's house, sitting there watching these airplanes, like you know, and just watching them hit the towers, and just knowing at that moment that you know, the whole world had changed, and as well as hello, you know, the, the the whole tragic thing of it that our record would never come out, do you know what I mean? And that basically was that was it. That was the end of our career there. Do you know what I mean? Because it was suddenly, you know, Geffen asked, they said, obviously, they couldn't release the record. Do you know what I mean? The the lyrics were blowing up the White House like it was an alien and tallest buildings burn our other mothers. They cried things I'd written, you know, years, but two years before.
0: Isn't that wild?
2: Yeah, no, it's just, I mean. Yeah, um, I guess, I mean, it's sort of,
0: you know was there you, any way of just like taking out certain songs or did you not no, want to do it that wasn't,
2: it, there was nothing going to be released in the music industry i mean you had to get out of the country the whole you know we were about to go war it was like there was no music industry then it was just everything it was just like you so know so kind
0: like, of like a different way of it but like it is now like the whole COVID thing just now, shut down
2: absolutely well it will get i mean it, it, this is what I'm saying. to you, you know, my company's called. What the fuck can possibly go wrong with me this year? You know, we talk about. So that was basically that was it. And it took two years. Geffen offered me like I think two hundred thousand to stay, and said they would uh, they come back with my record uh, another day. But my, mine, and this was my decision. And I, I, you know, I can live to regret it for the rest of my life, or you know, I never know if I got it right or wrong. But I, I said, in my experience, I didn't think once you've been on the front burner for a record, for a record label and then you are put on the back burner, you'll never come back. Do you know what I mean? So I asked them uh, numerous times... And, and to be released. Very ...heated debates to let me go, which eventually they agreed to do, but they actually took two years to do that. I thought we'd walk away from... walk out of that, get another deal, no problem, because yeah. of the way we did, and everybody was like, well, why would the biggest record company in the world let you go? Do you know what I mean? So it was like... Could it's, you it's, not
0: make another album as well? Because you no, were contracted exactly to them that. for the one you'd done. It's
2: exactly that. So that I mean that happened, and it's kind of weird, like you say, now that, that that happened then. And I actually think this year I thought stupidly again with the festival and everything going well, and with the touring that we had lined up, um, and 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 everything we had lined up for the year that this was going to be enough. This was going to be an amazing year, and stupidly enough my album release date is the 9-11 and the date of my festival is 9-11 again. And it's all gone completely tits. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what was you thinking? (laughs) Well, if it wasn't for COVID
0: though, things could have been great. You know,
2: (laughs) if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for 9-11, it would have things could have been great. Worldwide pandemics (laughs) and mass terror attacks.
0: How did, I mean, you say the world changed in that moment. What were the, the direct effects that you witnessed? Well, I mean, as a kind of an Englishman in that country at that time,
2: well, I, I mean, <sighs> nobody was putting out any records. Nobody was doing anything. All the, all the whole world was um, concentrating on was Iraq and Saddam. Do you know what I mean? It was like the, we were going at war, and that was all that. That was. I remember this being, you know, America. I mean, just the, the television, the whole tone of everything was dark. Everything was just horrendous. Do you know, you know, so. Um, the last thing on anybody's mind was music, Do you know what I mean? It was like they wanted blood, and yeah, that was it. You know somebody had to pay. I remember watching you know american television Afghanistan it's a car park bin Laden he's a dead man, it's like, and they're like, no, no no, no, no. You know, and we're still in that shit now, you know. It's, you know it's,
0: absolutely. You know, I interviewed Fast from Fun Loving Criminals this week, and he was saying, as a New York guy, he was like, that was the day the world changed forever.
2: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. Freedoms getting
0: taken away and fear getting introduced. And obviously all those things were there to some extent before, yeah. but it was just magnified tenfold, wasn't it? Absolutely, of
2: course it was. It was, used, it was used to empower, and obviously it was, you know... <sighs> Well, you know, I don't want to accuse any nation of of who did it, but we know where the funding for it came from, and it's you know, and we know Saddam didn't have weapons of mass destruction. He might have been a loud mouth git, but he wasn't like you know, yeah. Where he wasn't were they? America's number one <laughs> terrorist. you know what I mean? So, um, they changed that. You know, and like you say, the world changed, and the same thing's happening with COVID. You know, that's that's redrawing the whole of the control patterns absolutely And, and like
0: wherever you go now it's you've got to sign in haven't you
2: signing got a sign you've yeah. got to track trace. Not to say that you haven't, you know, I mean, the, you know, the conspirators can say that, you know, I'm not going to have this track and trace on not, but you've got a mobile phone, mate, you've got a flipping credit card, you've got, like, Facebook, yeah. stopping up twat. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, you know. Yeah,
0: they've already got but, you. Yeah, they've already got you, mate. <laughs> do you know
2: what I mean? <laughs> you know. Um, so
0: what did you do afterwards then? Did you just stay in America and tour? I, 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 no, or no. What were no, the no, years no, that no, not followed? No, not The years that followed,
2: About. They, were just, they were just dark, to be honest with really? yeah, I. I um i did you feel I, like it was all over no i, I didn't feel anything because i kept waiting for the record to be re, to be released um you know i kept waiting for geffing to let me go so but i so i couldn't write another album i didn't want to write another album because i had one that already hadn't come out and i always believed it would come out but um so i didn't really do, nothing really happened um richard bishop who was our manager managed, managed to get us whole load of films and things like that. So financially I had some money coming in, but
0: is that around the time all the soundtrack stuff started happening with blade and
2: and all that. So, I mean, I managed to carry on doing that came back here. Um, and started to put the pieces back together again here, but you know, with, with, there was a lot of drink and drugs going on at the time, and
0: and not in an upbeat, jovial, happy, yeah, uh, celebratory kind of a way. Or was it yeah, still no, good times? Some, it was some of the it was pretty
2: self-destructive. It was pretty self-destructive. I mean, we would, you know, we were getting gigs and we were doing great shows, and but we would end up always end up having a. You know, there'll always be a drama every night. there would always be a punch up between us. There be like, internally, like, yeah, 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 internally. Do you know what I mean? It was like, you know, which worst fucking nightmare. Do you know what I mean? It was like, you know, and and some and, and to be honest, some. You know, a lot of the shows started to become shambolic. Do you know what I mean? It was more about the party than it was about the performance. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So
0: professionalism kind of went out the window for a bit. Window.
2: Do you know what I mean? Which I think happens to a lot of bands, but it just. They, got really bad it got embarrassingly bad do you know what i mean and then
0: thank um, god all of that's pre-social media eh because yeah. bands can't do that now if they do yeah. one show out their mind yeah. it's on youtube and everyone's yeah. like look at these guys they're awful and that's it isn't it yeah it's hard I mean, to come back from
2: yeah uh i'll pass on that <laughs> <laughs>
1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Um,
0: How was America, though? I mean, you must have had some great times out there playing shows and exploring the country and, and how was partying out there compared to the UK club scene? Like, what was their nightlife like? Was it ecstasy fuel? Was it a different no, drug? No, it Is wasn't.
2: It? it was, it was, it was, cocaine was more their drug. There wasn't really like a club scene like there, There was, you know, electronic music hadn't really blown up there, even though, you know, the Chicago house, Detroit techno, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, New York disco and God knows what, you know, and all the house legends. And like I say, well, mo- most of the gods of and and pioneers of electronic music or came American. from America. It was never really an American thing. You know what I mean? It's so. And it certainly um,
0: wasn't like super clubs or anything like that. No,
2: they all had to come over here and make their names. You know, so um, it wasn't like that at all. It was more sort of like gigs and bars. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. and and strip joints and you know. So it was yeah. It was just all that kind of thing really.
0: What was the most lavish expense? Around that time? I don't know. I th- or was it just constant? Uh, it was just constant. <laughs> it was
2: constant. We were flying around in jets. I think it was, you know, hanging out of a Versace mansion, just like, you know, just, just yeah, just horse and gear. Horse and just, gear. Uh, horse Any and actors gear. on the scene? <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fingerprint, you know, I'm not going to put anybody in, in, in the frame, um, <laughs> but yeah. we, were, I mean, a we was a few. Yeah, it was a few. I mean, it was, yeah, it was great. It was, a, it was great times, do you know what I mean? I mean, the amount of people who used to come to our shows would just amaze me. Do you know what I mean? Still does now. Oh, so
0: when you come back to the UK, because you were mentioning earlier on about how, like, you know, all the fat boy slim kind of people were really taking off, did you manage to avoid being, you know, lumped and restricted in with that scene because you had been stateside for a bit? And did that allow you to evolve and grow yeah. as a band in the years that followed musically?
2: Yeah, the backlash was over by the time we came back. Do you know what I mean? So and and we'd totally changed it in sound and it look and everything of the band had changed. Do you know what I mean? It was like a song based, orientated um band then. So it yeah, it was suddenly I'm not saying like um we we were free of the um I mean I used to everywhere I used to go, people like would still be into their breakbeat. Do you know what I mean? It was like, Why are you only playing the bigger of the Briggs? I don't I'm not doing that anymore. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, and people always remember you for that kind of one sound or one record, but it was like we'd moved on. And luckily enough, now, obviously, um, eight albums later, people kind of understand that we go or I go wherever we want to go. Do you know what I mean? It's like that's the way it is. And people now. <clears throat> can see that over a, a period of time. Do you know what I mean? But I think if you've just made one record, then people just want one sound.
0: Of course, or even when you've got one hit and yeah. one song that's like the song yeah. that defines yeah,
2: you. I guess again, luckily not having hits is. Like... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it.
0: Yeah, just that's loads true. of like consistently yeah. good. I yeah, I kind of know this one. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. good. How did Terry Hall come into the for like the picture, and did um, he offer you friendship and advice through that kind of stalling? Not really. I was
2: surprised that he ever he he. Um, stayed, um, did as many shows as he did with us, because um, but he'd seen it all before with the specials. Do you know what I mean? So, Terry's got a really dry sense of humour. He's a really you can great, see that even on stage. He's a he's fantastic character, dry type. and
0: sardonic, in these yeah, yeah
2: yeah. And he'd seen it all before. Do you know what I mean? Our our, our childish um uh, behaviour was nothing new to him. Do you know what I mean? It was like you know Johnny being dragged out of hotels, handcuffed, was like you know just roll of the eyes really. Yeah. Um. No, he never really offered us any advice. He, it, it, Like I said, it was just an honour to work with him. And, and it obviously sort of gave us a massive kudos. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But the problem is, well, well, Terry would only do like two songs with us, and they'd be generally towards the end of the set. So, halfway, you know, for most of the show, people were shouting, Where the fucking hell's Terry? that's Terry. Do you know what I mean? it was just Terry All fans had turned yeah, up yeah, to yeah, see yeah. the band. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But, you know. Um, but hopefully
0: you're winning them over in the process. <laughs> yeah, After yeah, three songs, they're tired of screaming so they go, fine, yeah, we'll get into we'll it. Get into With it, paid. Yeah, yeah. And then the third record, he's on quite a few tracks, isn't he? Like the Peaches speak, cover, Rapture. Speak, speakers
2: and Sweeters." Yeah. You know, that's when he really sort of, that's when he really sort of came in. Obviously, we did Problem Is on, um, on six million ways to live, but then, then yeah, we did Rapture, and but again, that was kind of like more. Uh, I think that come from some sort of branded gig that we got that wanted us to do. I think it was Rizzler or something wanted us to do some shows together, and they wanted artists to do covers of other artists. So that's why we did those songs. Do you know? Right. That's why we did Rapture and yeah, yeah. things like that. Peaches. So, yeah, peaches. So that um, it was part of a project. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't kind of a. Um, and we just, I just thought we just thought Rapture would work really well for Terry, just just because of his sort of melancholy voice. Do you know what I mean? It was just such yeah. A well, twist. I guess that such was one of those first
0: punk new wave songs to incorporate rap and hip hop. Yeah, absolutely. Into it, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So it was, yeah. No, it was, it was, you know, awesome. I mean, I've got nothing but love for Terry. Nothing but love for Limbaugh um, and, and and Horace. You know, I think they're fantastic guys.
0: You've worked with loads of amazing people, like Rodney P's been on so many tracks as well.
2: Yeah, again, Rodney, um, you know, I first met Rodney in a, I think it was a snowboarding um, event in um, somewhere in the Alps, World Championships or something. Orange Snowboarding Championships and him and um, Skits were there. <clears throat> and the first thing they did was throw some pills down our throat. And I thought, well, Brilliant, this is, it's, it's, you guys are dub pistols, do you know what I mean? And I never really thought of the UK hip hop scene like that, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was, yeah. I always thought it was Bit more, more tough, spliff tough, uh, yeah. do you know what I mean? Not, you know, Bravado, not, not, yeah. not partying like, you know, loved up. Yeah, do you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? So, so Rodney just fitted straight into the bill, do you know what I mean? And it was like, you know, he was a perfect pistolero. And and he he he's got so much charisma. Do you know what I mean? And obviously being a you know the pioneer of of, of UK hip hop and using like you know your, your native tongue, your native sort of tone rather than trying to be American was like you know it was you know it's totally new. And it and we he just you know he's he, he was you know he's one of my best friends now today. Do you know? I'm still to this you know we speak every week. Um, you know he came and sung, sung mucky weekend at my wedding. Um, Amazing. You know, It's just like, yeah. No, he just
0: stylistically seemed to fit in so well with the sound. Yeah, no, as well. Was,
2: it was perfect. It was a perfect timing for us to to, to get him on board. And, 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 you know, at that time, as you can see, like, you know, the lineup having Terry Earl and I was checking and, that out. And Rodney P. Um, all in one band was pretty much, pretty. It a proper gang. Yeah. It? it was a crew. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, you know, you had London Posse, you had the Specials, and you had the Dub Pistols all in, in one sort of super group ish not so super but a group
0: (laughs) have you worked with anyone that was like problematic to work with or difficult oh absolutely yeah yeah Yeah? I think
2: um, uh, Gregory Isaacs was an absolute nightmare
0: how Uh, so if we can go there uh
2: I mean, I've worked with a few problematic people, but Gregory was, it was, it was like, he was, I think, he was quite clearly and well-known that he was on the crack, do you know what I mean? So we had to wait while we were recording. He, my my my, my um, publicist and everyone had told me to stay away from him and not bother him because it's Because of the trouble the that comes nightmare. with him. It. it was going to be a nightmare. And, um, but, you know, I'd absolutely love Gregory Isaacs, was a massive fan, and thought, we'll take a punt. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we had to go, we agreed to, he was playing at the jazz cafe and we agreed to meet him the next day in a, in a, a recording studio in South London and it turned out to be in, in the middle of a council estate uh, in this crack den and we had to wait there all day. Must have waited about like, I don't know, 10 hours. 10 and, hours? Um, for him to turn up, he finally turned up and he was all clearly out of his mind and just as um, we had to hand over... Um, a um, carry bag full of cash, which we gave him, and um, he basically went in, played in the track, he sung the song and said, That's it. And we said, No, it's like, let's start working on the idea. He we went, No, it's one take, that's it. That's all we're doing. Um, we went, No, 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 let's start working on the song now. We're 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 to make a record. And he basically got a bit, his, his, his crew got a bit heavy and uh, we asked for our money back. <laughs> so Brilliant. So we just give you the thing and he just obviously clearly didn't give us our money back. Do you know what I mean? And we, uh, luckily, the you know, the, the engineer gave us the tape and we, and we basically had to run for our lives. <laughs> and you got it. You got the tape. It wasn't <laughs> I mean, ideal. Yeah, no, it was an absolute pile of shit. Was it? Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it, um, he sort of mumbled his way through this thing. We managed to cobble it together and get a chorus out of it but it was no. it's
0: like with the Sean Ryder Gorillas track
2: yeah pretty much it's, like, yeah, it's, <laughs> we'll it's pretty that much bit. that is it, you know what I mean it's like and it's yeah
0: and what about Buster what was Buster like
2: well Buster we never really Buster we never worked with we worked with but we never worked with in the studio but it was it was a satellite thing Got was, you. we made a beat um, he sung the vocal he sent it to us it's an um, insane we, talent, though, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely insane. And then two weeks, and he loved the track. And then about a day before we had to finish the track, um, or the day we finished the track, and it had been in the in the in the film forever. Um, the day before the final sign-off, he decided he didn't like the beat and wanted the whole thing changed. So we had to redo the whole thing. Do you know what I mean? Remake the whole song, literally, like in a few hours. So it was like, all right, nice one, Buster. Cheers. <laughs> but we got paid well for it. So and there you obviously, and we we'll worked with Buster Rhymes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, it's a good one to tick off yeah, the list, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty
0: big. Is there anywhere left in the world that you haven't yet taken the band that you would still like to?
2: I've never been to Japan. I'd love to go to Japan. I've never been to Japan, believe it or not. Um, I've done, you haven't
0: dj down there or anything, or?
2: no? I've done in the whole of Asia. Um, you know, pretty much everywhere in the world, and I've never. Done um, South Africa, so maybe they're um, they're the two places that I haven't played, which are God knows why.
0: Well, I guess for a while a lot of artists were reluctant to go there because of apartheid, weren't they? Absolutely,
2: yeah. All of that, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I mean, I've obviously still got problems now, but I'd still like to go and visit it, even get even, if, you know. I mean, for. For you know, for the last ten, ten year, fifteen years, we could have gone there, and we 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 just never been invited. I <laughs> mean, so um, that's when, where's where's some of
0: the sketchiest places you've had to play? Because sometimes you see like, and you hear stories more about the promoters than the the crowds.
2: Um, like, there's been a few. I've been thrown out of a few countries as well. Um, um, but Hong Kong, the promoter, um basically just fucking abandoned me. He, he just put so much coke up his nose and put me into a room, which was somebody else's room. It wasn't my hotel. You know, he said he'd send that limo for me. He hadn't... He. It just the whole thing just turns into a sham and I had to do a runner out the hotel. Um, and luckily I had a Chinese friend who was just over the border that came over and flipping sort of rescued me. Um, so that was pretty shady. And then he, then he turned around and told my agent that I'd run up a £25,000 um bar bill in the room do you know what I mean? which is pretty fucking difficult do you know what I mean it's, it's like yeah, just on booze <laughs> yeah it's like it's a <laughs> total bullshit do you know what I mean but he's like basically he's just total cowboy he was just, he's an absolute charlatan yeah it was, but it, it was horrendous that was a dark experience Um yeah you know, there was a time in Croatia where I where I'd got um where I got completely live on national television and to a big show, and I got completely hammered, and um, I, I accidentally insulted the whole nation, um, to where we got bottled off stage and um, taken to the airport and thrown out the country. Um, and was, that's a tough crowd, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's mate, it's terrifying, absolutely terrifying. Johnny our guitarist, Croatian. Um, uh, I, I just, just one of those drunk and stupid things that you say, and you just, I mean, I, re- I regretted it for a long time afterwards because I just, it was just so stupid and just, you know, it was just like, you know, it was like I said it, but it was a drunken remark that you thought would go down funny, and you totally misjudged, misread the, the room. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and there was fighting on stage with bottles raining down. The, you know what I mean? literally the military police fucking marched us. I was headbutting the window of the of the tour bus saying is this how you treat your guests is it is it but we were lucky enough to go back I think it was last year or the year before the year. Like, yeah, I think last year and I was so glad that we actually did because it was about 10 years that we were banned from that country and I was so ashamed of ourselves do you know what I mean it was like we actually managed to go back and redeem ourselves do you know what I mean and and apologize so um yeah I was glad that one was over off
0: a happy ending, yeah, in terms of like absolute euphoria or just out of control excitement, uh, or scale, or just some of like those all time best shows you've ever played. Which ones stand out?
2: Um, it's really hard because, again, there's obviously been the so thing, many, the, the, it's not so much that, yes, I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we, I, you'd hope so after 20 plus years. Um, it's, it's the bad ones you remember. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's not, absolutely, it's not, I get it's that. It's not so much the, the good ones you remember. I think um doing, uh I think it was Rise Festival to something like 50 or 100,000 people in Victoria Park when, when, when we first sung um, Gangsters with Terry, and that was the first time we performed that song with him on stage, and the place went absolutely crazy. I think that was pretty special. That was one of those... <gasps> Do you know what I mean? I'm on stage with my god, and we're doing Gangsters. Um, that was pretty. Um, and I've been, there has been so many. I mean, we do the amazing place called um, Electric Castle in Romania every year. That's absolutely colossal. I've never seen a stage the size of it. I think it's bigger than the pyramid. I think it's the stage I've ever seen. But that's something really special. Um, I, think, I mean, it has been so many incredible nights. Is you yeah, know, there's also been some absolute howlers. There's
0: a lot of it in the film? Yeah. yeah. Have you been filming a lot over the years? Like, has there been a lot of stuff that has been documented retro, yeah, there, there respectively? Was,
2: I, yeah, no, I did used to carry a DV camera around me a hell of a lot and film a lot of places. I thought I'd lost a lot of the tapes, and they have... Um, they've been unearthed, have they've they? They've been unearthed. So there's a, there is a lot of that stuff there, and, there's, and it's amazing how much stuff as well has just turned up on YouTube that other people have filmed and things like that, you know? And there's so much stuff that you actually forgot know. Um, I bet. Mean, I did you watch
0: the Lavelle documentary? Did you I see that one? No, that's I amazing. That's got like you know whether it's him or his mate, I can't remember, but it's kind of everything. Right, and it follows his whole journey, and you know, obviously coming from that similar background to you in many ways with the Fabric Club DJ scene, and yeah. and like just yeah, the fucking like it takes to kind of divert slightly. It takes real strength of mind, I think, to go through the trenches and the way that you know people like him and you have and come out on the other side with your brain intact right
2: yeah but i think i think it's it's not there's no choice it's like being a boxer and like you know if if you it doesn't matter how many times you get beaten do you know what i mean if you keep if you the minute you stay down you're down Mm -hmm. but if you just keep picking yourself back up and Going for it, you're still in with a chance. Do you know what I mean? You're still in the game, and 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 it's it's the only thing I know. So, it's like you know, I'm unemployable. Do you know what I mean? It's like this is this is what I do. I'm a you know, and that's why I'm finding this period so because that's what I do is I'm a performer. Do you know what I mean? I, I perform, and it's like I said, I, I don't think I have any other um, acceptable skills. I think I'd, my first job I ever had, I was told that I would never get on in a um, working environment where I came in direct contact with the public. Brilliant. (laughs) Proved you wrong. It's all public. Yeah, there you go. How Um, about the come downs,
0: Barry? Did they get worse as the years went on or have you managed to walk that tightrope line and try to keep um, it?
2: I mean, the cocaine I knocked on the head, um, it it was getting out of control anyway. Anyway, I wasn't enjoying myself. I mean, apart from being bloody expensive, um, I had a it was down to my wife really. There was a night um was at the Concord too, and I had a meltdown. Um and I was at the top of the stairs there where they were trying to drag me out, and I was like, "These are my people," and like uh, you know, it was just, and it was just it was just just a, a total cocaine psychosis meltdown. And yeah, and the wife just said, "That's it." It's, she wasn't my wife at the time. She just said, "It's up to you." coke on me, and, and, and like, and anyway, I, I, I kind of, like I said, wasn't enjoying it anymore, do you know what I mean, it was like, it was, it was, I was, it was becoming too, it was too many times when I was not, I was having a bad time, and if you were on stage, or if you were DJing and something went wrong, that it went hor- horribly wrong, do you know what I mean, it completely went tits up, and you know, and then I'd suddenly, ah, you know, that psycho psychotic, coked up maniac. Do you know what I mean? And, and and I wasn't, you know. So I don't. I don't miss that at all. Do you know what I mean? i was, You know, pills being loved up, no problem. Problem is now, like you say, the come down. We got so busy that I can't. I don't. I can't be up. I can't be partying twenty four seven. Where because we've got to be at the airport, or we've got to be somewhere else, or we've got to be here. Whereas before, it was like you're on the move I was just constantly, constantly. Yeah, yeah. So it was like you know, I haven't got time. Didn't don't have time for a come down. And I, and now, like you say yeah, to come downs, so if you do get off your nut, just take forever and get harder. Do you know what I mean? So I just You just kind of naturally grow out of it.
0: Yeah. You know and I, mean? I think some people do it earlier, some people do it later. Yeah, I was late. You've, you've obviously had your, <laughs> was your fair share, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, you yeah, I don't regret none of it. I think I would be a lot wealthier had I not. Um, music magazine, when it was about, they used to give an award out called Caner of the Year. Um, Brandon Block had won it. Dave Beer won it. Um, and they, they, the, they the very last year it was, they gave it to me, and I just said I didn't wouldn't accept it, and not because I, I just didn't want to be responsible. Um, to to be an influence in anybody else taking drugs, having lost so many friends. You know, have you through, lost a lot of yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, you know, um, through ODs and, you know what I mean, and what have you, yeah. So I just didn't want to be responsible for, you know, and an addiction, obviously. Yeah. I just didn't want somebody else to, 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 to take a drug because I might have influenced them to do that. Do you know what I mean? Even though clearly I probably have and... Um, some of our songs would suggest that um well it's a
0: choice isn't it and i think what you're saying there is it doesn't necessarily work for everybody it's it's worked for me i've chosen to do it i've had good experiences from it but i've also had bad and i would never say to anybody else you should definitely do it it's like probably don't but
2: no and and you know i mean like i said yeah i mean i've lost a few friends through ods um you know seen a hell of a lot of horrible things through addiction um, and then so I just you know like I said I wouldn't want to be responsible for someone going down that path I've had some fantastic times and then I've had some really dark times for it so um,
0: Will some of those stories be in the Yeah I mean it's the all there I mean it's,
2: it's a very much uh, it's it's very much um, you know it's just an honest take on what happened do you know what I mean and, and what is happening because you know just as you think we're about to sail off into the sunset suddenly 2020's made it a whole different ending again. Well, know, was it, the it, film going to be
0: coming out this year? <laughs> yeah, was it? And yeah,
2: everything was going to come out again. Everything and it's all rests well on the well ending, does, doesn't it? Saying, in a story it's, like suddenly, that. it's like just as you think there's going to be a
0: happy ending, there isn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it will continue being sort of, <laughs> yeah. I guess, updated into yeah, well, we, we 2021, will, take, will so it's it? It's got to be. Yeah, it's well, you need be. a happy ending, don't
2: you? Well, it's not going to have one. <laughs> that's so, life is <laughs> you kicking the balls for you you know
0: <laughs> mate I've really enjoyed chatting to you today yeah no it's been it's pleasure, been great mate. and great. Uh, when things are you know up and running again I'd love to come down and, and see you do your thing
2: yeah no but honestly um, either at
0: a festival or a club show or
2: you're welcome to any show you're welcome to any of our um, rider that you would like and, lovely uh, yeah it'd be, it'd be great to see you somewhere mate in a field or, uh, or in a club or a venue whatever Nice. Thank you for having me.
0: My pleasure, man. Thanks a lot. Peace, I'm out. You know it, go. I'm standing at the door of the club, breath smelling like a pub, getting
2: VIP love, Other the people know my name. There's cocaine running around in my brain, so I chat to everybody, the cocaine's the blame. The chick that I'm with is a dime, she looks blamed, but I really don't remember her name, so hey-ho, the party's in the VIP, you wanna go? I've got a little hydro weed, you wanna roll?